What's up athletes, Zach Wagner here with another episode of the Resilient Athlete Project. Doing another solo episode today because I wanted to go over a very important topic in depth, all right? We're gonna talk about misconceptions around low back pain. Low back pain is very common. We treat it a lot at Wagner PT Performance and I think it's very important for you as the patients out there, you as the consumers of healthcare to hear the thought process that goes on in the head of a healthcare provider. Specifically, we strive and work really, really hard to make sure that our approaches to treatment are evidence-based and work in the real world, okay? So we're gonna go through some things that we hear a lot, patients bring up to us, they've been told by other people and other misconceptions that we have out there that we want to make sure you understand why those things are potentially wrong and why we can approach things in a better way and how we can approach things in a better way. So um, I'm just going to dive right in. I'm not going to do a whole lot more intro other than that because we get into the details here uh, in the rest of the episode and I hope you enjoy it. All right, everybody, Zach here with another solo episode today. And what I want to do is go through some common misconceptions around back pain, all right? Uh, specifically, low back pain is very common, and that's something we treat a lot at Wagner PT and Performance. And I find especially in this area, there's a lot of misconceptions, a lot of bad narratives out there about why things hurt and what you should do to help yourself or and things of that nature. So the goal with at Wagner PT and performance in general, and then obviously specifically with this podcast, is to help educate you as a consumer of healthcare so you can make better decisions for yourself, for your family. All right. So we're going to go through about five different areas here. These are obviously not the only misconceptions around back pain, but they're ones that I hear a lot and that I deal with a lot. So if I can help plant the seed, help you understand these areas a little bit better, I hope it'll be really helpful in helping you either avoid low back pain, deal with it better, and um, just being a more savvy consumer, athlete, all that kind of stuff. Um, So let's just dive right in here. The first thing I want to talk about is this idea that when you hurt your back, rest is the best thing that you can do, okay? Now, relative rest when you have an injury is important, meaning obviously we can't just, if you injure yourself, if something hurts, you can't just continue to do whatever you're doing and just beat your head against the wall because that's not going to be helpful. But total rest is usually not a good idea, Um, especially when it comes to most back pain. Movement is medicine, right? Movement is good. Movement is what your body craves. It's what your body is made for. It's what your spine is made for. So if you stop altogether and do something like bed rest, for example, that is typically not helpful. It can help with some pain in the short term sometimes, but it leads to a lot of big issues and sometimes doesn't even help with short-term pain, all right? Typically what we wanna do, and if somebody comes in with to me with a very acute low back flare, uh, low back pain, we are almost always able to find movements that are comfortable, movements of the spine, of the hips, of the body in general, to allow people to continue to move because we know from experience and from really good research that the sooner you can go back to movement, especially pain-free or even just relatively pain-free, low pain, low discomfort movement, the back feels better much faster. We avoid all these other issues that can come up. 
one of those issues that can come up is basically just deconditioning, all right? If the response to any injury or any amount of pain is just to stop movement and stop working out, stop training altogether, we're going to get really quickly into this cycle of deconditioning. By that, I mean you injure yourself, therefore you decide you need to take some time off or be very limited in your movement. When you try to go back to, even if it's not training, even if it's just your normal daily life, you try to get back into movement, into normal stuff, now you're a little bit more likely to feel discomfort because you have, in that time you've taken time off, your body is deconditioned, your fitness has come down, your strength has come down, all that kind of stuff, and you're a little bit more vigilant about your movement in a negative way. So you're more likely to feel discomfort again. And then if your response is, I need to rest again, you can see how it just gets stuck in this really bad cycle of kind of re-injuring, re-aggravating that same area. Whereas if we can say, okay, yes, there's pain. Yes, there's maybe an injury here. Let's identify exactly what's going on as best we can. And let's keep you moving in a comfortable way so that deconditioning does not happen as much so that when we reintroduce your normal training, we can now make sure that's nice and efficient. That's nice and comprehensive. That's something that works well for your body so that if something does come up again, you're much more likely to bounce back from it and all of that kind of stuff. All right. Most back pain is not serious. I'm talking like research studies will say anywhere from like, I've seen 98, 99 plus percent of back pain is due to kind of a standard orthopedic cause, sprains, strains, mild discomfort, that kind of stuff, all right? Very small percentages of back pain are due to something serious like a fracture or like a cancer or something like that. So we know the majority of pain is pretty low key. Even if it can be intense in the short term, the best thing you can do is to get to somebody who's gonna help you continue to move, all right? So total rest is very rarely something that we wanna do, especially for back pain, all right? Another thing, another one of these misconceptions I want to talk about is the idea that your back, quote unquote, goes out when you hurt it. All right. We hear this all the time. I threw out my back, uh, my disc slipped and some other variation of this kind of stuff. Right. I want you to know that based off of very good research and also just to be frank, common sense around the way the body is structured, there is no evidence that your back quote unquote, goes out when you hurt it. I know it can feel that way. I've actually been there myself with back pain in the past. It feels miserable. It feels awful when it first happens. But your spine does not move out of place. It does not dislocate. Your discs don't slip. That stuff does not happen. For As an example, those discs, those intervertebral discs that we hear a lot about, those are so firmly adhered to the vertebra, to the spine, that you cannot take those things cannot slip no disc has ever slipped okay that is just not something that happens it's a narrative that's very unfortunate because what it helps what it makes people think is that every time their back hurts that something is totally out of alignment right that they're going to totally screw up their spine or their spinal cord or any of this kind of stuff but understand the way your body is built is to protect your internal organs and your spinal cord and your brain and your nervous system first, okay? So evolution has created this really awesome movable structure in the spine that your spinal cord can travel through to be super well protected, all right? There's bones, ligaments, muscles, tendons, so many layers of stability, so many layers of all this kind of stuff. The only time we ever see spine, SI joint, anything like that actually move out of place is a super high energy injury, meaning 
car accident, fall from a really big height, motorcycle crash, something absolutely crazy that you cannot do bending down and then picking something up from the floor. All right. I know it feels like the back does go out, but that does not happen. All right. And I, I think I'm adamant about this point because some people might say, well, it doesn't really matter what you're told. It doesn't really matter if I think my back goes out. But I just want you to, to sort of think about the, the cascade of thoughts that can come into somebody's head when, when their back hurts and they think that it's out of alignment. What they're going to think is every time they have a back tweak, every time they have a discomfort in that area, that their spine is literally out of alignment and that they need it to be put back in place, right? So that just isn't the case, all right? And again, if, if you have specific issue, questions about this, I can go on about this forever, obviously. Please reach out because I know this can be confusing because I know you've been, a lot of people have been told this a lot, okay? But if you think your spine is out of place every time, you have any amount of discomfort there, you need somebody to help you put it back in place or something like that, you're, you're going to automatically think that your spine is really fragile, that every time you do something, every time there's any discomfort, that your spine is in a vulnerable position and it's fragile. And I need you to understand that the back and the spine, the body in general is super strong and resilient. Okay. So that can lead to avoidance of movement altogether, avoidance of strengthening, avoidance of the things that we know work to improve back pain and reduce the chance of having it in the future okay so your back does not go out discs don't slip any of that kind of stuff i know people hear that a lot and that's just that's really something if there's one narrative that i wish could just go away that's definitely near the top of the list okay and in a similar sense let's move on to what this third area of misconception um, that your back is more vulnerable than other parts of your body all right it is true that most people will experience back pain at some point in their life, but this is not because the spine is inherently more vulnerable, all right? There are a lot of structures in the spine. The spine is simply a series of joints, muscles, tendons, ligaments, discs, etc., right? There's a lot of areas in there that could potentially get a little bit irritated, so that might be part of it, but really it's a multitude of reasons why low back pain is more common, especially in the modern world. Um, you know, a few of which are, you know, lack of regular or challenging training, lifestyle factors like, you know, more sitting, which is a bit controversial, but, you know, more sitting, um, less just overall movement throughout the day, poor diets, poor hydration, and then these fear inducing treatment approaches that we talk about, about your people telling you your spine is super vulnerable. All right. We actually know the best way to help reduce the chance of back pain or bounce back more quickly if you do have back pain is to take care of all those basic things. Sleep well, recover well, eat good food, hydrate, train regularly, challenge your body so it will adapt and improve over time, all right? In general, really what we're trying to do with any rehab or training scenario is improve the capacity of your body to handle stress. That requires putting stress on the body so if we think that the back is super vulnerable, we're going to avoid putting any amount of stress on that body, which is going to lead to that series and that cycle of deconditioning we talked about earlier, which then leads to more pain, more discomfort, and we just get stuck in this really bad cycle, okay? So understand, for example, if you have an ankle sprain, most of us have had an ankle sprain at some point in their life, right? What do we do? All right, we protect it for a short period of time. We probably do some ice, we do some, you know, over-the-counter ibuprofen, Aleve, whatever, right? 
we limit some movement for a little while, but when it starts to feel better, we will move it more, we will strengthen it more, we will walk on it more. And then once that ankle is feeling better, we're pretty confident it's healed, we're good to go. And most people don't really think about it a whole lot anymore, okay? That is an injury to a ligament in your body that heals. Back strains, sprains, that kind of stuff, minor irritation in the back, there's no reason to think about that as any different than you would a, a mild little ankle sprain or something like that. Yes, we, we need to protect it a little bit so that we're not just going crazy with it right up front, but movement, controlled loading, doing what you can to keep that area moving is going to be the best thing. And then when it feels better, work back into your normal routine, all right? Your back is part of your body like everything else. It does obviously support and protect some very important structures, but there's no reason to think of it as more vulnerable, that it shouldn't move in certain positions, all that kind of stuff. So just wanted to make sure we covered that. Moving into this sort of fourth area of misconception, this is another big one that I think is very helpful and I've found to be one that a lot of patients think about. Um, there's this thought process that when you have back pain, you need x-rays, you need imaging, you need some kind of you know, intervention along those lines in order to figure out what's going on specifically and to treat it safely, all right? For one thing, the back is... There's a lot of structures in the back. There's a lot of potential areas that can that can kind of be irritated. And there's also a lot of these sort of what we would call it kind of top-down mechanisms, meaning ways that your body can kind of stiffen up, try to protect itself when it may not be necessary. That's kind of beyond the scope of this podcast. But I'd say that to, to help you understand there are a lot of reasons your back can bother you a little bit. Mildly, right? Okay. So that's not to say things are vulnerable, obviously. That's just to say that. Being, I don't. It research has shown, and that an image, for example, will not say, okay, this specific reason, this specific level of the spine, this is the reason why you have pain. We just know that that tissue status, the way this body is structured, <clears throat> excuse me, whether there's irritation or something like that, inflammation in a certain area. That is part of the picture, but it is not the whole picture. And we know that more and more and more as we move forward, okay? Studies have actually shown that outcomes for low back pain are a lot better if patients don't go directly to imaging. Part of that is because there's less delay in treatment. You get to PT, you get to somebody who can help you sooner, you get moving sooner, and that ties into all the stuff we've already talked about, okay? Another thing I want you to understand is that multiple very high-quality studies have shown that certain changes on x-rays, MRIs, other images are present in people who have zero pain or other issues. Meaning, there's, for example, a study that comes to mind looked at a bunch of imaging studies of all different parts of the body. Neck, shoulders, hip, low back, knees, ankles. And they compiled the results and looked at what, quote-unquote, degenerative changes were diagnosed in these patients at various ages, all right? And yes, we see as people get older, they're more likely to find these issues um, or these changes on imaging. But all of the people in this study had no pain, no stiffness, no discomfort, nothing, right? So these are even people, you know, for example, they show that people like up into their 80s are you know, very likely to have changes, quote unquote, degenerative changes in your spine when you get to that age. 
but those people did not have any pain. All right. So rationally, this means degeneration, changes on x-rays, changes on imaging, that kind of stuff cannot be the sole cause of pain because there are millions of people walking around with this kind of stuff on imaging who have no issues, no pain whatsoever. All right. In fact, it's correlation with pain is actually pretty low. Okay. So I think what is happening when somebody has back pain and then they go to their doctor and then they get an MRI, for example, and they see some of these changes on imaging and they go, okay, well, that's the reason why you're in pain. That's just a logical fallacy. That's a breakdown of reasoning. All right. Those changes were there before you had pain. Those changes will be there after your pain resolves. Okay. That's not to say these are nothing and we never need to pay attention to them. But imaging is really only necessary if we have a fall, a car accident, something like that, where we're worried about a fracture or something along those lines. Or if symptoms are really, really severe, we have numbness, tingling, difficulty going to the bathroom, that kind of stuff. Those are red flags where we need to look at imaging, but those are very rare. Okay. These changes on imaging are normal adaptations of the body over time to usage of that area okay so with a standard type of back pain it doesn't have those red flags we talked about we're better off getting moving treating with active interventions not going hunting for every mild little change from quote-unquote normal on imaging all right i'm here to tell you these changes on imaging are normal all right I had imaging taken on my back when I was like 25 years old and these things were there because I'm an athlete. I've been an athlete my whole life. I was asking a lot of my spine and I was fine, okay? And I am fine now, okay? So it's not necessary to get imaging to treat back pain safely. It's actually research and updated guidelines actually discourage the use of imaging early on as a routine thing, all right? If you have routine, pretty standard low back pain, you usually, and evidence will say you do not need imaging. You should go to physical therapy. You should go to somebody who can help you get moving, help you feel better faster, okay? I know that's a deep and kind of complicated subject. So again, if you have specific questions, reach out. I'm happy to send those articles. I'm happy to talk about it more, okay? All right, the last area I want to touch on here is the idea that you should avoid certain exercises because they are bad for your back. Now, this is not a narrative that's only in the low back. We see this in the knees and the shoulders and basically every part of the body at some point, right? I'm going to use the deadlift as an example, all right? The deadlift is a hip hinging movement, meaning it's a movement where your hips are literally hinging. You are bending down to pick something up and then usually standing up with it, okay? That's a normal movement of your body. That's a normal thing a human beings need to do to function day to day. All right. Avoiding certain movements for arbitrary reasons is usually not a good idea. All right. What happens is that just leads to more vulnerability in those positions, right? If you feel like you cannot or should not hip in, should not pick up anything from the floor, that kind of stuff, and you never do that, you never train that. When you're forced to do it, or if you're forced to do it by circumstances throughout your day, guess what? You're going to be much less confident, much, you're not going to have the strength that you need in that position to confidently do something that you, as a human, should be able to do, okay? Some movements are certainly more challenging than others to learn how to do, 
but that's not a reason to avoid doing them altogether. It's a reason to learn how to do them correctly and to learn how to do them well and to work with somebody who can help you feel strong and confident doing something like that. Again, good research in this era supports the idea that a stronger back leads to less pain. It leads to a more resilient spine, a more resilient low back in general. So it's about finding a place to start with movements like this, okay? There are certain movements, again, that the body is just, your body is meant to move, right? But for some reason, if we're using the deadlift as an example again, for various reasons, sometimes some people have difficulty doing that movement well and actually being able to feel their low back, their hips, their hamstrings working well in order to lift that weight from the ground, for example. Sometimes it's just because it's hard for that individual person to coordinate. Sometimes it's because they've, they sit the entire day, so they're just not used to using that type of movement pattern. Again, that's not a reason to avoid it altogether. It's a reason to work with a good PT, a good coach, to teach you how to do that movement well and then start to strengthen it and work it into your workout program and your training routine because then you'll get better and better at it and you'll have more and more confidence, more and more capability in that position and that will make you a resilient human moving forward. Avoiding certain movements, that is okay to do if you have a very good reason for it, but arbitrarily saying it's bad for your back to lift from the floor. If people say that, I think there, I don't mean to say that these people are like maliciously trying to like, you know, put you in a terrible situation, but people that say that, I think they, they come from a good place. They're trying to help. They don't want your back to hurt, for example, in this case, but they don't understand that by doing that, you're just, you're limiting yourself further and you are potentially setting yourself up for more issues down the road. All right. So don't avoid certain movements and certain exercises just arbitrarily. If you want, if you need to avoid something, you should have a good reason for it. All right. Okay. I'm going to step down off my soapbox here and stop ranting and get a little bit fired up when we talk about this. But I hope that this was helpful to help you understand where the thought process is for us at Wagner PT and Performance and for me specifically as a physical therapist. These are all evidence-based points of view supported by research as well as supported by experience um, and what we know works, all right? Um, and again, these are not the only misconceptions around back pain. Obviously, they're just ones we see a lot. So again, if you have questions about any of the research I talked about, any of these specific areas, or if you're dealing with back pain and you've been told some of this stuff, reach out. I'd love to talk, whether you're in the Massachusetts area or not. Um, I want to help. I want to try to connect you with some good resources because Understanding some of this stuff, understanding that your body is strong, your body is resilient, your body is adaptable, can be the difference between kind of living the life you want to live, being able to feel capable, feeling strong, feeling like if you do have pain, if you do have injuries, that you are able to bounce back from those and not, you know, constantly limiting yourself, feeling this slow deconditioning, this slow spiraling down of your physical capacities. The difference between those two things a lot of times is just understanding some of these concepts and working with somebody who helps support you if you do have pain or if you need help with some of this stuff, all right? So we are here to do that. And if you're not in the immediate area or if we're not the right fit for you for whatever reason, I will help you get where you need to go. So please reach out um, if you have questions about this stuff, all right? So thank you for listening. I really appreciate your time and I hope you have a great day out there and I'll talk to you guys soon. 
Hey everybody, just a few quick things before you take off. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe and leave a review if you found this podcast useful. The Resilient Athlete Project is brought to you by Wagner PT and Performance in Lakeville, Massachusetts, where I work with athletes of all ages to relieve pain and keep them in the game. For more information, or if you're interested in working with me, either in person or via remote consult, visit my website at www.wagnerptp.com. Also, don't forget to follow Wagner PT and Performance on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, and reach out if you have any questions. Okay, everybody, thanks again, and we'll talk soon.